Luke chapter 7, the Bible tells us about a certain Roman centurion that had sent for Jesus with a request to heal his servant. In today's message titled, The Godly Centurion, we're going to examine what it was about this Gentile who was a stranger from the promises of God that so impressed the Lord that he not only praised his faith, but answered his prayer as well. says this, it says, Now when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he had heard Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter in under, enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, Go, and he goeth, and another, Come, and he cometh. To my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and, and turned him about, and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that he had been uh, that had been said. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we stand in need here tonight. Lord, we need you. We need your presence. We need your touch. We need your instruction. We need your reproof. Uh, whatever it is, uh, God, that you can give us, you know where every heart uh, standeth tonight. You know where we're at. God, I just pray, Lord, you deliver that unto us in which we need to grow closer unto you. God, I just pray, Lord, that your uh, spirit work in the hearts of men and God, in your preacher here tonight, Lord, I pray that you bless us, that you help us, that you touch us, that you visit us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Seated. I want to spend just a few moments here this evening looking at this uh, centurion. This centurion, um, I'm assuming you know what that is. He was a Roman soldier. He was a leader over a hundred men. He was a very important man in, uh, in that sense. He was not a Jew. He was an alien from, a, from the promises of God. He was not under the ones that Jesus had come unto. He was, he was like the woman who reached forth to touch the hem of his garment. Uh, he, was, he was one that could not claim the promises of God, yet he saw Jesus and knew there was something special about that man that he could help. And it, 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 goes, to, it goes back to what God tells us in the book of Hebrews, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not, not seen. And it goes on to say that um, without faith is impossible to please him. Faith is a very important thing, and we see that demonstrated in this centurion. Even though he had no, those promises, 
he knew who Jesus was simply by his actions. He just trusted who he was by what he saw. And so therefore, it was counted unto him for righteousness, just as it was counted unto Abraham, just as it was counted unto Noah, just as it was counted unto you and I, those of us that have faith in Jesus Christ. And so we look at this centurion and how he was a godly man. And I want to look at some of the aspects of his character. And we'll, we'll see that uh, a little this evening. Number one, in speaking about the centurion, we see that one thing that made him godly was that he understood compassion. He understood compassion. I preached out of uh, Mark chapter 7 over at the nursing home today. And how Jesus had compassion on the multitude, for they had gone three days without food. And that compassion that Jesus felt, that love that Jesus felt, uh, was something that prompted him to action. We see this centurion had compassion, not on the multitude, for that's not the situation, but he had compassion on his servant. He had compassion because he saw that there was someone in need. And we see several instances of that throughout Scripture. One we find in Mark 6, 35. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into a country round about and into the villages and find themselves bread, for they had nothing to eat. This was the disciples there, and they looked upon all the multitude just as Jesus did. But but we don't see them taking action. We see them saying, well, well send them out. They, they need to find something to eat. But Jesus had the answer for them. He said, you feed them. I think we've talked about this on our Wednesday night studies. Jesus had compassion on them, therefore it prompted him to action. Mark 10, 13, and they brought young children to him that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those uh, that brought them. His disciples all too often, they... they, they couldn't see the forest for the trees. You all know that saying, right? They could not see the forest for the trees. They looked and they saw a need, but yet they didn't want to do anything about it. They looked and saw how these children were desiring to be blessed of Jesus and how people were taking them unto Jesus, but they, they, they didn't want to do anything about it. And they could not see the need right before their face. This centurion, he looked and he saw and he had compassion for his servant because he had a need. He had compassion not only because he was in need, but that he was hurting. Now, look at another instance here in Matthew 15, 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. She crieth after us. And so here it was. This woman was, uh, had, a, had a need. She was hurting. Anybody ever had their children hurting before? Anybody ever experienced that? It's not fun, is it? It's not fun when you have uh, uh, someone that you love, someone that you care about, and they're hurting. You have compassion on them. You want to do something. This, this woman, she was in that situation. But because it wasn't the disciple's daughter, they didn't care. Because they didn't have that relationship. We think about compassion in the church. Listen, we need to have compassion on those that are hurting. 
And it's easy to have compassion when it's your sister or your brother or your child or your parent. It's easy to have compassion then, but I want you to understand, it's like sometimes we don't see that. And we're like, Senator, well, we got other things to worry about here. We get lost in that and we can't see the forest for the trees. But the fact of the matter is all those that are out there hurting, man, they do have mamas that love them. And they do have children that love them. They do have others. And so we ought to have compassion on them. The disciples, man, they, they, they lost sense of that here. The centurion saw that a servant was hurting, therefore he had compassion on him. He saw that he had a need and therefore had compassion on him. He had compassion on someone that was of low esteem. The servant was not equal to the centurion at all. He wasn't on his same level. He was of low esteem. The centurion, for all intents and purposes, that one could have died off and he could have just gone out and got another. It wouldn't have made any difference to him. He could have got another servant just, just as he got that one. I, I, I told my, my daughter, you know, when I was talking with her about different things. And in my experience in, uh, in, in the uh, business world, in the business world, I'm going to tell you something here. I, if, if, if something happens and you're not happy in your job and, and stuff, you have that attitude of, well, I was looking for a job when I came. I was looking for a job when I got this one and leave that one and go out and find another job. This was part of an illustration. I just don't think it came across that well. But this man could have done that with that servant. That servant was, was really nobody in the eyes of man. And so he could, have, he could have discarded him and got another one. But instead, he had compassion on one of low esteem. Mark 10, 46, it tells us here. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out from, of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, son of uh, Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when they heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Many charged him that he, would, that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And so here it was, this beggar, this nobody. They wanted him just to shut up. They didn't care about his plight. They didn't care about his need. They didn't care about him. They had absolutely no compassion on him. The centurion was godly in the sense that he had, he had compassion on someone of low esteem. He had compassion on someone that was needy. He had compassion on someone that was, that was hurting. Church, let me ask you this. Does that, does that describe you? In my life, I can look back and I can see many times where I didn't have compassion. I can, I can see many times where I'd look upon someone and I would say they are where they are because of the decisions they made and tough. And I would be right a lot of times, right? When you look at addicts and when you look at people in, in, in those situations, it's very easy, and, and, it's, and you're not wrong in that sense. 
But does that mean that we should lack compassion? Does that give us a out for that? Should we not care about their soul? I guarantee you Jesus does. No matter where they've been, no matter where they've done, I thank God. I thank God that he had compassion on me. Because I had no right or reason for him to. No compassion. And so therefore, church, listen, if we, if we show compassion just to the worthy, we'll not have any compassion at all because none of us are worthy. None of us are worthy. And so we need to have compassion on the unworthy. We need to see those of low esteem and have compassion. We need to see those in need and have compassion. We need to see those that are hurting and have compassion. This centurion, this stranger, alien from the promises of God, this, this person that was outside that bubble altogether, he, was, he showed this godly trait of having compassion. He understood uh, compassion, but it's not just that he understood compassion. He understood action. If compassion does not generate action, it is henceforth good for nothing. It's one thing to look upon someone that's hungry and say, oh my, they're hungry. Look at it. Ain't that pitiful? Another thing to give them a sandwich. Right? You have compassion, but you have no action to follow. It doesn't mean anything. That centurion, he could have, he could have very easily said, oh man, that's my favorite servant. He does a good job. Oh, well, I'm not a doctor. You know, if you have an attitude like that, then it's, his compassion is good for nothing. His compassion forced him to action. It prompted him to go out seeking someone that could help. Undoubtedly, doctors couldn't do anything. Undoubtedly, he had, he had seen those things. This, this man... This man wasn't going to doctors. Man, he heard about a man named Jesus that could heal the blind. He had heard a man about a named Jesus that, that, that fed the multitude. He heard about this man, Jesus, that, that did all these things. And so, therefore, it prompted him to go seeking help for Jesus. We think about the compassion, not just the compassion of Christ, but the action that followed it. When Christ had compassion on the multitude, he fed him. When Christ had compassion on the leper, he healed him. When Christ had compassion upon the blind man, he gave him sight. When Christ had compassion upon Mary and Martha, he raised Lazarus from the dead. And thank God, when Christ had compassion on me, he walked up Mount Calvary and gave his life's blood. I mean, listen, that's compassion that led to action. That is a, a desire and a love that prompted Christ to do something. Uh, see the compassion and action of Jesus, but... You see that mimicked in the centurion when he saw his servant hurting, when he saw him uh, in need, it prompted him to go out seeking Jesus Christ to help him. Now, here's my question. You care that people are dying and going to hell around because they are by the multitude. They are. And we can... We can bury our head in the sand and we can say, well, everybody I know saved. Are they really? If I called myself a duck, does it make me a duck? The Bible tells me, and you can, you can read it, I've been studying on a lot, 
Romans chapter 8. You read Romans chapter 8. Because what happens is when you've been converted, see a difference. See a difference. And I have great trepidation. I think I'm using that word right. About people who say they've been saved. There's been no evidence of any change. And I know we know those people by the multitude, don't we? And so what do we do? Well, they say, but they born again. I, and I can say to them, let me tell you what you can say to them. You can say, do you really have that possession? Or do you simply, are you simply spouting off something that you heard? Has there really been a change in your life? Because I got to be honest with you, I'm not seeing it. And that sounds harsh, but I would rather sound harsh and get somebody to open their eyes to the truth rather than being blinded by Satan than dying and going to hell. Does that not make more sense? If we say that we have compassion, but it, does, uh, compassion, but it doesn't lead to any action, in truth, we do not have it. It is good for nothing. It is words. Will not help anything. He understood compassion. He understood how it led to action. He was godly in that sense. He was like Christ. Because when Christ had compassion, it always led him to action. And if we bear the uh, moniker of Christians, we ought to be Christ-like. And that should exemplify the way we act and react to those around us as well. He understood humility, verse number 6. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. And so he was a powerful man in Rome. He didn't answer to many people, and many people answered to him. He was a man of status. He was a man of stature, but he understood who he was compared to Christ. He understood that Christ was far greater than who he was. Now, imagine that. Imagine that. Here it is, this centurion who has servants, and he has men under him. And he's a high man in Judea in that day. He is someone that people come asking of and asking two things. And he's going to a man that doesn't even have a home. He's going to a man that roams around from town to town. He has nothing of material wealth at all. And he says, I'm not worthy. Sounds to me a lot like John the Baptist. I'm not worthy to latch at your feet. I'm not worthy to come in your presence. I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. He understood humility. When you put all these things together, put all these things together, and you think about the compassion that he had, you think about how it led him to action, and you see his humility here, it, it, all, it all goes together. 
I think that if you don't have humility, it won't lead you to humble yourself to speak to the, of the things of Jesus Christ to others. It's a daunting task. It really is. It's not an easy thing to go and, and, and talk about Jesus Christ to others, is it? It's not, it's not an easy thing to, to humble yourself in that regard and put yourself up for mocking, put yourself up for any type of ridicule and shame that may, could come of it. You have to have that sense of humility in order to do it. If you don't have that sense of humility, if you don't understand really who you are in the grand scheme of things, then what you're going to do is you're going to think you're too high-minded to do something like that. Or I can't have people looking at me in that manner. I can't have people regarding me in that manner. You're going to stay up here, and then one day you're going to fall. One day you will realize just exactly who you are. The centurion realized who he was, thank God, who he truly was uh, back then. 1 Peter 5, 5 says this. It says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, giveth grace to the humble. Psalms 138, 6 says, Though the Lord be high, yet he hath he respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth afar all. This... Uh, man as he was talking to Jesus about this centurion he said that he had built a synagogue for the Jews so evidently he knew something about what they believed he knew something about what they taught he was probably familiar with Proverbs sixteen eleven, where it says better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud he understood humility he had compassion on those that were lowly those that were in need those that were of no esteem, it prompted him to action. And then lastly here, verse number eight, we see that he understood authority. Verse number eight, he says this, For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, Go, and he goeth, and doth another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and, he, and if he, he doeth it. And this man was a soldier. And I remember my, my dad, I would talk to my dad about things years ago. And he was in the army, and he would talk about what it was like to be a soldier under command, and and he would throw out that adage, you know, sergeant, tell you jump, say how high, you know, you don't question, you just you just do it, and so he understood authority, being a soldier, and he understood that um, one who has authority has ability because he in his position of authority he could tell a soldier to go and he could tell a soldier to come and he could tell someone to do it and he would do it why because he had authority and so he understood that but see what he what he really understood was that jesus had authority not over a hundred men in judea but he had authority over everything and he knew that, that it didn't take Jesus any magical words. It, it, it didn't take Jesus, um, you know, going and, and doing a thing. He, he just, he just speak the word. Just speak the word. And he'll be healed. He understood the authority that Christ had. I wonder if we really understand the authority of who God is and who we are in the sight of God. Now, I say that because of this. 
How many have you done things, said things, that you wouldn't do or say in front of your mama? Anybody? <laughs> now why? Mama smack your mouth? Because even when you're 45 years old, you know you're kind of afraid of a feeble little 80-year-old lady. You see, this man understood that Jesus had authority over everything. Because Jesus had authority over everything, everything was subject unto him. We as Christians, and even if you weren't Christians, you're still under his authority, but they ignore it. But we as Christians, we acknowledge the authority of Christ in our life, don't we? But how many of you have done things that you wouldn't do if he was sitting next to you? Or standing next to you? How many of you said things that you wouldn't say in his presence? How many of you would you watch things that you wouldn't watch in his company? See, but it's like we, we know that but then we do it, not understanding that he sees it anyway. It's as if he is present in what we do. It's as if he is present whenever we see things, say things, do things. And so if we really believe that he is our God and we really believe that he is omnipresent, if we really believe these stu this stuff, we either, we either, you know, put that to the back of, of our mind or we really don't believe it, that he is our authority. Else we wouldn't do some of the things we do. And then flip that around on the other side and say this, that if he is our authority, then we would follow his commands and do the things that he says to do, those things that we fail to do today. How many of us have been faithful in our Bible study? How many of us have been faithful in our witness? How many of us have been faithful in our walk? How many of us have been faithful in our separation from worldly things? And so these are all things that Jesus espouses. He is our authority. But yet we neglect to do those things. So when we neglect to do those things, we are in essence denying his authority over who we are and what we do. I'll say this and I'll close. Jesus, this centurion, he, he was godly in the sense that he knew and understood authority. He submitted himself with humility under Jesus Christ. He had compassion and it led him to action to seek out that favor in Jesus Christ. And you know what happened? When we see the results, we see the results found in verse number 10. And they that were sent returning to the house found the servant whole that had been sick. That godly centurion dis displayed all of those attributes. And we see 
that he trusted in the authority of Christ and God didn't let him down. That's what time is it? Yep. God's still in control. Still there. He's still in control. He's still able. 2019, he died on the cross some close to 2,000 years ago. He's still able. He turned the water into blood some 4,000 years ago. Still able to. God's power has not diminished. I try to, I try to remind you of that. If we, if we can get a hold of that, it'll help us in our struggles, trials, tribulations. That He is Lord over all. We can trust Him. Amen.